When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're going to be talking about the Netflix adaptation of A Series of Unfortunate Events and the BBC's new TV version of The Worst Witch. Caroline has also listened to the MTV podcast Speed Dial, so she'll be talking to us about that later in the show. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Last week we talked about La La Land and we've had a few people tweet and email us to say that they really enjoyed it as well. Rosie Howarth emailed to say, thanks for talking about La La Land. I agree with a lot of what you said about the emotion and style of the film. Like Caroline, I cried slash grinned most of the way through. And she also says that it hit home with her because she's a professional musician, which I imagine would Mm. be the case for lots of people. Yeah, that's really interesting because there've been lots of people on Twitter and stuff in my wider networks who have not enjoyed the film yes same and i've kind of been half typing replies to them and then deleting them Mm -hmm. because people are allowed to not like stuff that i like (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard that isn't it yes i know they are Oh, I didn't tell you about the most hilarious thing that happened in one of the screenings I went to, where just as the film was starting, a very old man got up and said in a kind of drunk sounding way, I just think everybody should know that the La La stands for Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) And then he sat down to a burst of ironic applause. That is so funny. Oh, well, uh, you wouldn't have known, so... I know, I mean, it would not have been obvious at all from the film's marketing. Thanks to that guy. Thanks to that man. We've also had an email from Anya about something we talked about last week, and I believe the week before too, which is Sherlock. Mm. So she says... Just a quick email to say, I know you said you weren't going to slate Sherlock every week, but I really, really feel we have to address the shitmongers that that last episode was. (laughs) It reminded me of an Old Spice advert with none of the charm. (laughs) That is such a funny comparison. (laughs) So I think this is in reference to Series 4, Episode 3, right? I have not seen Series 4, Episode 3. Me neither. I actually, last night, got my Sherlock fixed by watching Toby Jones be really evil in Episode Mm 2, which I do agree with you, is quite good. Yeah. So I'm not really keen to return to episode three if that's if it's an old spice advert with none of the charm. So still bad. Still bad and just yep. in. This just in. Sherlock, 
still bad <laughs> apparently <laughs> if you agree slash disagree with anya get in touch and tell us mm-hmm. and speaking of things we would like your opinions on tim has sent an email with a really interesting question in it he says that he has you know really reevaluated the night manager he really loved it when it first aired but after seeing that it got all the golden globes and stuff he thought back on it and realized that actually it wasn't all that and now he says are there any series slash films that you loved initially but six months down the line totally changed your mind Mm, that's such a good question i can't instinctively think of anything recently that falls into that category to me but i remember being a child and watching life is beautiful you know Mm. the like holocaust film and thinking it was amazing and then i was probably only about 14 or something my cousin's husband informed me that it was like very controversial because it was considered to be like making a mockery of the holocaust which is just not something I'd known when we watched it at school and then I so I had real, real doubts about my loving of that film afterwards I think mine is a lot more recent and it is The Get Down oh uh, yeah so when we reviewed it on the podcast I think we both felt it was a bit overblown and long mm. but that somewhere buried in there there was a really good show mm. and I have to say having since watched a couple more episodes and imbibed a lot of the work of Doreen St. Felix, Mm. I now agree with her that it's crap. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure which way that was going to go because a lot of people on my Twitter feed like absolutely love it. And I still think the visuals are really fun. It looks beautiful. Mm. I think in one of her pieces, Doreen says like, it would be a great thing to like project on the wall at a party. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That's a very accurate description. Um, Okay, well, listeners, if you have thoughts of something you've changed your mind on, we'd love to hear it. So just briefly, we've also heard from Manuela, who gets in touch to recommend something that I had never heard of before. And this sounds completely like outside of the realm of what I normally know about. And I'm probably going to say the title of it wrong because it's in Norwegian, but it's spelled S-K-A-M. Skam? 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 Apparently it means shame in Norwegian and it is she says a multi-platform tv series that uses social media as a storytelling device along with the traditional scripted televised format this can be really iffy right yeah go one way or the other so it follows a group of Norwegian teenagers in an upper middle class suburb of Oslo and she says clips of the episode premiere online throughout the week on the broadcaster's website in real time so if a party is happening at 2am then the clip appears at that time along with character Instagram posts and text messages then on the Friday the clips are collated together to form a 20 to 30 minute episode that is aired on TV Mm. so as you say this could go either way like it could be amazing Or it could be like watching a load of managed Instagram accounts (laughs) tweet at each other. Interesting. So anyway, it sounds really interesting. There are apparently bits of it on YouTube and on Tumblr. People are translating it. And there is an American version currently in development. But she says, we don't talk about that. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) We've also had an email in from Sean who wanted to recommend One Day at a Time, which is a Netflix series. She says it's very funny, but also deals with difficult issues such as PTSD, returning soldiers, sexuality, and family reactions to coming out. So um, lots in there. Mm. Um, But she also says that she is loving the Netflix series we mentioned last episode, A Series of Unfortunate Events, which is actually what we're going to talk about next. It is indeed. So this is the new Netflix adaptation of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. It's based on the series of children's novels by the same name and stars Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf, Joan Cusack as Justice Strauss and Patrick Warburton as Lemony Snicket himself. This first series of eight episodes adapts books one through four and there are two more series in the works. Hello, my name is Lemony Snicket, and once again I find myself in a dimly lit room talking to a complete stranger. The complete stranger is you, 
and the room belongs to Netflix, a company responsible for filming a series of unfortunate events. Under ordinary circumstances, this room would be buzzing with excitement and activity as directors, designers, stagehands, and indentured servants prepare for a dazzling season of top-notch entertainment. But the story of the Baudelaire orphans is so upsetting and so utterly unnerving that the entire crew is suffering from low morale, a phrase which here means currently under medical observation for melancholia, ennui, and acute wistfulness. Joy, joy, happiness, my fortune's about to change. Almost everyone. I am loving this show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Same here. I told you quite a boring story just now before we came on air about how mad I was that I was not able to download the rest of the series to watch on the train last night. Yeah, it's really, really good. We both enjoyed the original books, didn't mm, we? Yeah. And for me, this is very in keeping with the tone of those stories, right down to the tiny details. And, the, and it's similarly dense like the books. It is. I love how dense it is. And I love how the TV format, particularly the streaming TV format, as opposed to the film, the film adaptation from 2004, was it? I quite liked because I liked the stories and mm -hmm. I thought some of the, I quite like Meryl Streep in it, for instance. Mm -hmm. But because it was a feature film, they tried to give it an arc that wasn't there. Whereas the TV format allows it to be episodic and repetitive in all of the ways that the books are. I think what's quite funny about this series and therefore this show is that the plots are very predictable and very unpredictable at the same time. Mm. So you get this kind of overarching frame that you can kind of rely on, which is orphans get sent to live with New Guardian. New Guardian is infiltrated by Count Olaf. New Guardian probably dies. Count Olaf nearly gets away with being their new guardian in a disguise before he's ultimately thwarted at the last minute. That's a very predictable narrative mm. for the, for each of these two parters. But within that, you've got like all these like crazy things happening, like, you know, houses collapsing and vipers escaping and things that you probably wouldn't be able to see coming. And every time you learn a bit more about both the personalities of the children, Violet, Klaus and Sunny, and also about the mystery of their disappeared presumed dead parents mm -hmm. and this secret organization with spy glasses that seems to be sort of watching out for them from the margins of the story yeah there's something about that, that i found so delicious as a child this mm. like weird secret organization that you know it's called the vfd but what what it stands for changes constantly and the, we don't know whether it's the goodies or the baddies and that kind of drip feeding of information and the constant red herrings. You're given a lot of red herrings in mm. this series all the time. I really, really enjoyed. And I think they carry that over well in the series, as well as all the tiny little details of like self-referential Lemony Snicket commentary, people explaining what words means, even though they're, they're perfectly, it's perfectly obvious what they mean. And then Lemony Snicket explaining what actually difficult to understand phrases mean, but in a very esoteric and not very clear or widely applicable style. So that's an important creative decision they've made about this TV series as opposed to the previous film adaptation, which is to put Lemony Snicket in the frame again. Because mm -hmm. in the books, he's there all the time. Mm -hmm. it, you referred to it this morning as postmodern, and it is very much that. Like mm -hmm. the author interjects himself between you and the page at all times. In the film, they took that away. He is there. He's played by Jude Law. Oh, yeah, right. There's that sequence at the beginning where he's typing. Yeah. Yeah, and he sometimes like 
interjects with his typewriter breaking but i think that's something really funny to see read a book with a meta narrative about the person writing the book and then make a film about it and be like okay we've got to have this guy writing the book what they do in this tv series is they say okay here's this meta narrative about the guy writing the book you're reading so we'll have a meta narrative about the tv show being made of the tv show you're watching which yeah. is so makes instinctively so much more sense it's sort of like he's directing it right he constantly walks into shot wearing a costume that sort of tones with the background. So mm-hmm. if they're on a beach, he's wearing a bathing outfit. Mm-hmm. If they're in a jungle, he's wearing an explorer outfit, mm-hmm. you know, and he talks in front of the action mm-hmm. and explains what's happening or like gives you a gnomic hint as to where you're going next mm-hmm. or says something sad. Yeah, and it's funny to watch a TV show and hear someone say, so for example, there's a line where Count Olaf is like, they're going to the movies and he's like, of course it's more convenient to watch things in the comfort of your own home. Mm. And there's another bit where Aunt Josephine says, yes, children, let's all shut our eyes as though we're watching something on a screen that is much too scary for our age. (laughs) And these kinds of things are so much funnier than like a guy like failing to write on a typewriter because they include you in this in-joke, which is what Lemony Snicket's doing all the time in that writing. He's really Mm. making the readers feel included in their in-joke when he says metaphors like, I don't know, in the Lake Lacrimose episode, he might be like, it was terribly irritating, like the feeling of a leech sucking on your... All all these metaphors draw on very specific actions that are happening in the book at the same time. And all of that continues in this series, Mm. which means that I feel like often... I I haven't even had a chance to get one joke before they're making another. And I love that feeling of just like, there's so much going on at any one moment. So a trope that the book Lemony Snicket uses a lot is like, look away, don't read this. It's Mm -hmm. going to be really horrible. The plight of these orphans is really unhappy. (laughs) And why are you even reading this? That scared me when I was a kid. I know, me too. When it was like, please do not read this book. You might not be able to cope with what's inside. I was like, I definitely won't be able to cope. I'm going to put it down. I've never been told by a book not to read it before. (laughs) Obviously, in this case, they translate it to don't watch. But in a way that I love, Neil Patrick Harris sings the theme tune. It's very Dr. Horrible, isn't it? for fans of Dr. Horrible. He sings the theme tune and the whole theme tune is like, look away, look away. It's about how you should watch, but it also provides you with a plot recap. So it's different every time, which is very clever because Who Among Us has not fast forwarded through a Netflix credit sequence because Mm -hmm. it's the same and you've watched four episodes already that day. Yeah, exactly. But I, I love that level of detail like the fact that even the theme tune has all these like little secret mm. nods to stuff and also like the book it's very referential to other things so there are references in this to like Herman Melville or Murakami all these like literary authors in the same way that, that the books were and it's also very self-referential so there are lots of little lines that readers of the books will know have lots of significance like when they're in the anxious clown restaurant the waiter says I didn't know this was a sad occasion. And if you've read the books, you know that that's like a a secret code and you're meant to reply with the world is quiet here. But nobody does in this TV series because they're not at a point where Mm. they know that yet or they're trying to hide that they know that. There are little lines about Count Olaf losing his sugar bowl, which readers of the book know that sugar bowl has like a really big importance later on. And so I love that there's all these little in-jokes for audiences, whether you've just started watching the show or whether you're a lifelong fan of the books, there'll be some lines in there just Mm. for you. And just more than anything, though, it retains its ability to surprise and shock you. Mm-hmm. So just one example of this. I think it's it's in the second part of the Uncle Monty episodes. The, the reptile the room. The reptile room ones, where Klaus and Violet are kind of looking in despair out of a window at some point, And they're looking out onto this maze that's outside Uncle Monty's house. And they see this golden statue of a woman looking through a spyglass standing at the 
the center of the maze above the hedges and you know you see it through through windows and in the background various times during the episode and then right near the end they've been desperately trying to find count olaf in the maze and they get to the middle and the woman just like jumps off the podium and starts talking to them and it turns out she's a character you've already met painted gold and she's been standing there the whole time mm. and i was on a train when i was watching this and i genuinely went, went <gasps> <laughs> yeah. when that happened and felt that kind of childlike feeling of like wow i didn't see that coming yeah which is just so pleasurable and actually i realized really rare definitely and i think it's so easy to talk about all the like irony and and references in this stuff in a way that makes it sound very very self-conscious and not genuinely funny whereas Mm. there is a lot of i think especially in like neil patrick harris's performance which is so good because i actually really liked jim carrey's count because a lot of people i don't know didn't seem to but i thought he was great but neil patrick harris is just brilliant he's so funny and just in a raised eyebrow can bring like a lot of like I do genuinely laugh out loud when I'm watching this it's not like just like I'm sat there like ooh, haha see what you did there snicket it's like very funny so I read in an interview or somewhere with Daniel Handler the you know the real lemony snicket that he was inspired to try and cast Neil Patrick Harris when he saw his 2011 opening number at the Emmys which I don't know if you've seen it's mm. it's an original song called Theatre's Not Just For Gays Anymore and it's a whole like song and dance number in which Neil Patrick Harris joined by the companies of various musicals enacts the scenario in which going to Broadway is no longer just like a thing you do with your boring out of town relatives or if you're gay it's now like a pastime for everybody (laughs) and Handler says something like you know when I saw him do that I knew that he could handle being funny and serious at the same time and having multiple strands of plot going on at the same time as well Mm -hmm. and I just knew he could do it and I went back and watched that and I was like yeah this is the origin story of NPH's Count Olaf right here. (laughs) Oh that's so fun to watch that transition in action. Yeah, even just like the simplest lines, like I loved when he's like, is that a harpoon gun? You can just say things with an inflection that's really funny. And then five minutes later, you'll be like, wait, a harpoon gun is really significant for Mm. readers of the book. So yeah, it's everything I wanted from a series of unfortunate events. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You may think that the Baudelaire's ought to prevail and be tucked someplace all safe and sound. Count Olaf captured and rotting in jail. His hench people nowhere around. But there's no happy endings, not here and not now. This tale is all sorrows and woes. You dream that justice and peace win the day, but that's not how the story goes. So the next thing we're going to talk about, much anticipated by Caroline and I, is The Worst Witch, which is a new CBBC adaptation of Jill Murphy's story. It follows the journey of Mildred Hubble, here played by Game of Thrones' Bella Ramsey, as she struggles to practice magic as effortlessly as her peers. This series comes after another very popular adaptation of the novels in the late 90s, which me and Caroline both watched at the time. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah. I also read all the books and were completely obsessed with them. Yeah, they're great books. There's less than I realised. I thought that this was like a huge, you know, like 27 book series and that I probably just read a few, but actually there were only a few released and they're still going to this day, but it's only like number five and number six or something. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It's a very simple story, right? It starts at Miss Cackle's Academy for Witches and it's Mildred Hubble's first day in her induction, basically. And she feels as though she can't do anything right. She's always falling off her broomstick and her cat's the wrong colour and blah, blah, blah. This one starts a little bit before that. It gives us a little bit more backstory and fleshes out the idea of why Mildred Hubble might feel like she's the worst witch, other than not being great at stuff, (laughs) (laughs) magic. And it begins with Mildred living on a council estate with her mum and this other girl accidentally flies onto her balcony, Maud, who is the best friend in the, in the original series. And Mildred is not actually, has, has not grown up thinking she's a witch. There's no magic seemingly in her family. But the fact that she can see Maud suggests that there is some magic in her somewhere. So she goes along with Maud, helps her get there and ends up at Miss Cackle's Academy trying to pass the admissions exam. Which I really liked as a backstory. I did as well. And I feel like it it told you more about the characters before mm-hmm. you settled down into the like day-to-day stuff of them being at the school trying to learn. You know, you, you got a kind of dramatic first episode in a way that I think if you'd never seen or heard of this story before would help you feel drawn into the world. The original story does start very much like in media res at the first <laughs> totally, day of school. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of a bit... I I agree. I think that there's something that eases you into the story and at the same time it fleshes out the world because it gives you an idea that there might be people like Mildred who are basically the equivalent of muggles in the Harry Potter world who might feel really insecure about, you know, she's a bit of a Neville figure. Mm, Yeah, she is. Actually, Neville's not a muggle-born, so that's rubbish. Well, in the well, in the sense of her magical abilities and confidence, she's and, yeah, she's like, like got the backstory. Status, yeah. She's got the backstory of Hermione and the confidence of Neville. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a good way of putting it. Because in the original books, now I come to think of it, you don't really get any mention of the quote-unquote normal world, do you? No, it all takes place in the academy within the magical community, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you know, from Mildred's flat, she can see the castle where Miss Cackle's academy mm-hmm. takes place, but obviously you know her mum who isn't magical can't see it and stuff so you get this sense of like the two worlds rubbing up against each other and we do know that children love that that there's a reason why children loved writing out fake hogwarts letters Mm. acceptance letters for themselves there's something really irresistible about this idea that you could be 
that person you just don't know it yet yeah well there's a reason why you know children of all ages and maybe even adults sometimes climb into cupboards to see yeah if, if there's anything at the back that's the way to narnia you yeah. know the, just the idea that pure luck and chance and fate might mean that the next door you open would lead you into a magical world you exactly know? i have to say the lead in this is really great i think yeah she's really good game of thrones fans might recognize bella ramsey as liana mormont who is the lady of bear island in game of thrones yeah. so there's this moment basically where Jon Snow needs support and Bear Island pledge their support and then he realises that Bear Island is basically led by an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> but she's like really, really spunky and really, really inspires a lot of the other men. So it's a really great role that she plays absolutely amazingly. And she plays a completely different sort of character in this. She's like very nervy and mm. anxious. But again, she's really, really good. There's just like a spark in her that I really, really like. And I think, I've only watched a couple of episodes but which are already on iPlayer. You can go mm-hmm. check them out. But she already has quite a good like antagonistic dynamic with Ethel Hallow. Yeah, who is just the villain of the series. And fans of the 1998 series will remember Ethel Hallow was played by Felicity Jones brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliantly. I, I have to say, it is still Felicity Jones's defining role for me. Yes. So I have not seen Rogue One, but I've seen a lot of posters for Rogue One. And I like to think in my head like, Ethel Hallow goes intergalactic is the subline of the movie. It's one of those things where you, often with children's stuff, you look back and you realise that the villain was so much more an interesting character mm. and probably the one you would root for as an adult. And there's something about Ethel Hallow who's like basically an academic perfectionist who is needlessly mean to Mildred all the time. There's I don't no idea why she's so horrible to her, but she's just so smart and so like edgy and like sparky that i do really like her. and there's a bit of backstory given to her in this first episode of this where you know she's got a really perfect older sister mm-hmm. and i think at some point you know she gets like 100 percent on her entrance exam and someone says oh well done you got 100 percent. that's amazing and she goes no for a hallow it's just okay yeah so you get this idea that she's almost like a Malfoy figure you know she comes from this perfect amazing family where just doing amazingly is you know barely acceptable yeah and she's a perfectionist and I think that there's a really good element of discussion about perfectionism Mm. amongst women in this series and in this show where you get the sense that Mildred's really bad at everything and actually she's not she's pretty good at most stuff she's just basically got a bad case of imposter syndrome right where she's Mm. constantly worrying about how well she's doing and then you contrast that with this portrayal of Ethel who's basically like this is where perfectionism can ultimately take you to like a life of like not being satisfied with 100% so I think that is quite encouraging in a way like I'm quite glad that there might be a new generation of young girls watching this show and being told that it's a, it's okay to come across like you're not doing everything perfectly and B, it's okay to not do everything perfectly, mm. which I think is a good message. It is a good message because we should stress for anyone thinking they're going to go watch this, this is a children's TV series. It mm-hmm. is an excellent children's TV series, but it is, you know, nonetheless, like it's probably it's like age ranges like eight to 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the plots reflect that. The big surprises are not surprising to adults. You had some thoughts that the special effects were not so good. I was actually quite impressed well, by the special I th- effects. <laughs> I think by like CBBC standards, the special effects are excellent and mm-hmm. obviously like far surpass what was on offer in my own childhood. But I do think that to an eye accustomed to like a series of unfortunate events, say, or Game mm-hmm. of Thrones or whatever, mm-hmm. it will look a bit shonky. Yeah, though... One point we should mention is that Netflix have got a stake in this show. Oh, have they? Which I think is why it's got this sort of Mm. calibre of cast and, you know, there's something, there's an extra spark to this that raises it above 
well, I'm not currently watching a lot of CBBC content, so it would be harsh of me to say to mm. ra- raise it above current CBBC content, but my experience of CBBC mm. content. And I think, I'm sure there's like an increased budget there from Netflix. I definitely think so. But I would encourage anyone who fondly remembers the book or the old TV series or thinks that, you know, young witches dealing with imposter syndrome sounds like something you can get on board with, definitely go and check it out. Is it something that I would like them to keep making more of? So mm-hmm. I, want, I want it to be supported. So last week, I encouraged Caroline to give Speed Dial, the pop culture podcast from MTV, a listen. Caroline, did you do that? I did. And I really, really enjoyed it. I can't believe I haven't been listening to this podcast the whole time. I sort of feel like there was no way you weren't going to enjoy it, seeing as you enjoy the work of both writers and pop culture podcasts in general. Yeah, this is true. So they've done 30 episodes now. I didn't obviously have time to listen to all of them. Mm -hmm. So I tried to listen to like... That's a lot. I feel like it's such a recent podcast, but I guess it's actually ticking along. I think they've done like one a week Mm. for like, you know, getting on for more than half a year. Yeah, so I listened to the one just after Brad and Angelina split up. Good choice. And I listened to their big year-end review. And I listened to a couple of, like, election ones. Because, yeah, my life would have been so much better if in November 2016 I was listening to this podcast. I really loved the episode they did where they recommended stuff for us to, like, read, for people Mm. to read. And I, yeah, made loads of notes and went away and read a lot of the stuff that they suggested. Some of it was like stuff, you know, that I definitely knew about and just hadn't got around to reading. Some of it was things that I just like would never have heard of if it wasn't for them. So sort of a welcome change from their weekly format in that time. I think it's good that they acknowledged that there was something so big going on that they sort of had to (laughs) shake things up a little bit. Yeah, and they are brilliant, sharp, generous commentators on whatever subject they're talking about and so it's Dorian St. Felix and Ira Madison III and I think one of them is based on the east coast and one on the west coast and the sort of conceit of the podcast is it's you know it is a phone conversation between the two of them and they have a kind of voicemail message tone at the beginning and stuff which is quite nice yeah. I like it when a podcast has an aesthetic yeah, um, yeah and yeah it's just really really enjoyable and actually there's an episode of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast with Doreen St. Felix on mm. where she talks a bit about like the backstory of the podcast and about what they sort of wanted it to be and I think they've done a really good job of realizing that vision actually because it's it's uncompromising without feeling stern yeah it doesn't stop to explain things to you as you say like you take notes and you go and read up if you don't know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. but neither does it feel like you're being excluded from a conversation yeah well, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I yeah, feel like excellent. I can't really take the credit for this recommendation because it was already so up your street, but really glad. That Definitely you a good addition to my weekly lesson. And you should all go and listen, guys. Don't leave us behind, though. <laughs> we're all we're also still here. So what about me for next week? I am going to recommend you the TV show Silicon Valley. Ooh. Which I have Tech nerds. just got into, and it's a sitcom set in... In Silicon Valley, in California, you know, the fabled cradle of tech superstardom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's set in what 
the guy who runs it calls an incubator, but is actually just him letting some dudes crash in his house <laughs> uh, who all work at various like engineer programming roles at big tech companies. And That the... sounds like the bit in the social network where they have the pool and yes. everything. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yes, it is like that. And the narrative momentum comes from the fact that one of these guys sort of accidentally develops something that then every massive company in Silicon Valley wants to buy. Okay. And he ends up forming his own company to try and develop it himself rather than sell the idea on to what is clearly meant to be like Google or Facebook. Mm-hmm. The main reason I want you to watch this show is because of the character of Jared. Okay. Who is played by Zach Woods, who you will know as Gabe from The Office and <laughs> the slightly weird okay. looking guy in lots of other things. <laughs> and... I just love him. I love him so much. That is so funny to me because, I mean, I try to refrain from saying things like this, but he's the absolute not <laughs> yeah. for me. If, if, in hot or not, he is not. Yeah, I know. But I, the character of Jared, though, like, he just this, does it for me. What a challenge this will be. I know. Like, Jared is just, he's so well-meaning and he tries so hard. And he's the only one who actually knows what he's doing and is doing any work or achieving anything and yet they still don't invite him to parties okay i can't wait because i bet we have very differing opinions on this character i think i'm gonna hate him but i will try and lay that preconception aside and i hopefully will enjoy silicon valley okay Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including in iTunes, where you could leave us a rating and a review, because it helps other people find the show. You can get all our back episodes on seriouslypod.com. We're going to announce more events very soon, so make sure you go there and sign up for our newsletter so you're the first to know when tickets are on sale. Also there on the website, you can find our special episodes on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Action, and friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're seriously pod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show, or just hearing your thoughts on what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.